Welcome. Church of the Advent is an Anglican congregation in Denver, Colorado, that seeks to share in the life of God by redefining and reorienting everything around the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope you are challenged, encouraged, and move closer toward the gospel by this week's message. Well, good morning. It is really fun to be together in one service, to see everyone's faces. It's good to be together. Um, on January 28th, 2019, I got an email from a good friend in ministry, and it read this. Awesome opportunity, and possibly a very good fit for you. And that was it. <laughs> Attached were two attachments, two documents. Church of the Advents parish profile, and a job description. I didn't respond, but then three weeks later, something kind of prompted me, and I forwarded the email to Jenny. In classic Jenny form, she didn't respond. <laughs> a month later, something prompted me again, and I emailed Jenny again. I promise we do actually talk in person as well. <laughs> but I added my own take this time. I said, did you read this? I said, seems like a great fit in so many ways, but I'm not sure I'm ready, dash, intimidating. And she quickly responded this time with a word of encouragement and a kiss emoji. <laughs> Two months after the original email, on May 1st, I finally sent my resume into Bishop Ken with a letter of interest, and then it was just a couple of days later, I was on a FaceTime call with Sarah Bartley. Why hadn't I moved more quickly? First, there was the insecurity. Just, like I said, intimidating me? Looking over my shoulder, like, surely somewhere someone has made an error in judgment. Um, and then, you know, we were happy where we were in North Carolina. We had a, we had a bunch of good friends. I had a bunch of, bunch of seminary connections. We had my parents who were 15 minutes away, and, and we kind of depended on them for survival and sanity as we kept having babies. Um, <clears throat> I was enjoying learning as an associate pastor. I was, I was growing and being refined in that process. Um, we were on the, the precipice of a major building campaign, and my youth group was thriving, and so things were going well. And I felt loyalty also. This church had kind of parented us through four years of intense life, through seminary and, and babies and ordination. Could I really leave right on the cusp of this building campaign? Could I look my youth group in the eyes and say, God is calling me to something new? The answer was no, I couldn't. Um, a little known, slightly embarrassing fact about this story is that after Advent did extend a call to us, we said no. Uh, some of you remember that. Yeah. Some of, some, for some of you, it's a well-known fact. The, ne the next day, we, Jenny and I spent like crying much of the day. And with some distance, I was able to process why. Why was that? Um, why were we so grieved by our initial choice? I think it was because we had chosen to go with what seemed like good plans, good planning, what made sense on paper to us. But good planning, this is the point, good planning is not the same thing as faith. <clears throat> I mean, good plans are great. They really are. Businesses need good plans. Life needs planning. It requires it. Government, schools, we need good planning. But it's not the same thing as faith. Plans are made by looking around, weighing the factors, and then deciding what makes the most sense. Faith is different. 
What is faith? Here's a, a loaded definition. It's going to be the substance of this sermon and next week's sermon. It's from George Guthrie. He says, faith is action in response to the unseen God and his promises with various earthly outcomes, but always with the ultimate outcome of God's commendation and reward. This morning, I'm just going to look at briefly, hopefully, the first part of this definition. definition. Faith is an action in response to the unseen God and his promises. So first, faith is an action. Look at Abraham, which we heard so beautifully and heartfeltly read, this story of Abraham and his hall of faith in Hebrews. Hebrews 11 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed God when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, though he knew not where he was going. So there's old Abraham. Picture him. He's in the ancient city of Ur. He's got his father. He's got his father's house. He's got his future inheritance. He has the familiarity of his job, his his household gods, his native language, his employment, his beloved friends, his favorite coffee shops, his favorite spots, you know, the cozy familiarity of home. This is, of course, how most great heroes' journeys begin. You know, before there was Abraham... Sorry, before there was Bilbo and Luke Skywalker and Harry Potter, there was Abraham, the the great hero setting out on a journey. God calls to Abraham, go. Abraham has a decision. He says, will, you know, he has to decide, will, will I look with my physical eyes on what makes sense? Will I look at these comfortable familiarities? Or will I perceive with spiritual sight the bright future that God is promising me? This is really the crux of faith. Will I trust only what I can see and understand, or will I trust what God is promising? That's what it comes down to. What do I trust more, good planning or the goodness of God? So by faith, we read, Abraham obeyed what he could not see, and he embodies the definition of faith that Hebrews offers. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He didn't see where he was going. He didn't know what lied ahead, but he was convicted it was going to be right because God had called him. That's the kind of archetypal example of faith in the scriptures. And yet nowhere in the story are we told how emotionally excited Abraham was, how joyful his journey was going to be, you know, or how how doubtless and how resolute he was. Because faith is not a feeling. It's not good plans and it's not a feeling. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is ultimately an action. Faith is, you might say, the dripping sweat from Abraham's brow, or the sun-baked skin, or the aching feet of his entourage as they passed over the rough earth between Ur and where they were going. Faith is so closely linked to obedient action that it, it becomes one with it. This means, for example, that faith isn't for you this morning. I'm just so delighted to be here. This is my favorite place on earth. Maybe it is, and that would be great. But I know for many of you in your story that actually coming to church isn't easy. That it, It's hard. And so being here, for whatever reason, it might be hard for you to be here, is an act of faith, whether or not you feel it or not. Now, Jenny and I's faith is, you know, in deciding to come to Denver, it's, it's a far, far cry from Abraham's faith in setting out from Canaan. I mean, we had things like, you know, plane tickets and insurance and someone to receive us and take care of us and a paycheck. Abram only had God's word. You know, I had Stacy's wonderful smile greeting me at the airport, saying, welcome to Denver. Abram had nothing, no one. 
Still, what ultimately kind of overturned in our own hearts our original decision, I think, was faith. It's not that the harder thing is always the faithful thing. It's not that the riskier thing is always faith. Rather, I think Jenny and I knew deep in our hearts God God had called us to go. We kind of knew it, but we had deeply repressed it because we were just counting the cost in terms of plans. We were looking at these questions like, which, again, planning's not all wrong, but we were just dwelling and turning over, will we be okay? Will my parents be okay? Will our kids be happy? Uh, You know, can I afford to live in Denver? Will Advent like us? Will, will it be good for the church? What's going to happen to our church? All these things, legitimate things to process, but they had taken over in our hearts. And so God's call had become secondary to planning. Thomas McKenzie once said that the difference between a plan and faith is that a plan doesn't require the death and resurrection of Jesus to work out. That's a good definition. So when we said yes to this call, the truth is we were not fully at peace. You know, that, you know, one of the ways to tell is if you're fully at peace, I don't know about that. I mean, you think of Christ going to the cross, knowing it's the right thing. We were scared and unsure, and we were stressed and anxious. There were difficult conversations, but yet something deep in us was thrilled with this thought. This will require the ministry of Jesus to work out. So our action in moving here was faith even though it was all woven about with doubts and fears and tears and questions. In the end, we decided to put one step in front of the other and go, knowing it would require the ministry of Jesus to work out, and that it might not work out. And we'll see that next week. Faith does not mean it's always going to work out. So now if we were to stop the sermon here, you may have heard something like this. Abraham shows us faith. We need to imitate Abraham, and it's going to be fine. No. It might not be fine. Abraham isn't ultimately the one we're imitating. So let's look at the second point. In response to the unseen God and his promises. Faith is action in response to the unseen God and his promises. You know, another difference between Abram's journey and and Jenny and I's journey and your journeys and the way you've exercised faith is that Abram was B.C. and we are A.D. You know what I mean? He was before the cross and we're after. So the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11 gives example after example of heroes who trusted God against all odds. There was Abram trusting God. There was Israel trusting God while Egypt pinned them against the sea. There was Moses trusting God as he stood on the edge of the promised land, not knowing if he would ever go in. How did David trust God? You know, as dwarfed by Goliath. Hebrews 11 gives us these key words. By faith, Sarah, who is now held up, is a great example of faith. But if you remember Sarah's story, she actually laughed at God when God first made the promises. So faith doesn't require your perfection, does it? She's held up here as an example of faith. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Those are the key words. She considered him faithful who had promised. Not herself, him. So when we face an unknown future, or we face plans that have crumbled, or we face dreams that have died, or sickness that has stolen away, or, or just obstacles and confusion in our path before us what do we do consider him faithful who has promised that's the invitation his faithfulness the scriptures say that all the promises of God find their yes in Christ so do you love me yes will you forgive me yes will you refine me yes will you bless me and keep me yes will you show me your glory yes 
Will you bring me safely home at last? Yes. He who promised is faithful, and he will do it, as we say at the end of our service. So Jenny and I are not the heroes of the story. Our journey is full of faithless moments. Abram, much more so the hero, but still along the way, consider Abram's own failures. He lied, he cheated, he deceived. He was full of doubt at times, taking matters into his own hands. Therefore, the hall of faith climaxes with Christ. Hebrews 12, 2. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Understand then that in the end, faith is not about the flawlessness of your faith. It is not about the quality of your own faith, the perfection of your own faith. It is about the flawless faithfulness of the object of your faith, Christ, the faithful one. He is the one who authors and perfects faith in us. So it's a gift you are to ask for, to desire, to open your heart to receive as you fix your eyes on him. His life, his death, his resurrection, his forgiving, restoring, healing love, and then faith will follow. Ultimately then, here's what I want to say. Faith is not something we possess, but it's something that possesses us. So fix your eyes on him. You will find yourself stepping out in imperfect, two steps forward, one step back kind of faith. Frederick Buechner, uh, I love his pithy definition of faith, and it's kind of the summary of everything I've just said. So if you want to write one thing down and dwell on it this week, here is the definition of faith he offers. Faith is the direction your feet start moving when you find that you are loved. Faith is the direction your feet start moving when you find that you are loved. Father, we pray that you would give us all the gift of faith. I know as many of us who are here, there are as many stories and pains and doubts and fears and questions. So I pray that in the midst of all those, you would give us the gift of faith to help us fix our eyes on you and to find our rest and our peace in that place, knowing you go before us, you've called us, and that you're faithful. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to take a moment to reflect on what God might be saying to you through what you just heard. For questions, additional information, and resources, please visit adventdenver.com.